This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 18th of February, and contrary to things you might expect, this is not a news episode. We have something very exciting today, but before that, here is my even more exciting co-host, Dave. Hello, Jan. Yes, we have. We have KubeCon news. Yes. The best news is KubeCon news. No, no, it's KubeCon um, Cloud Native Con news. That's true, to give it its full name. But, uh, <laughs> we are joined today uh, by co-chairs of KubeCon uh, EU, uh, Vicky and Constance. And uh, yeah, just a great session with them where they, they talk to us about KubeCon, CloudNativeCon, um, through every, everything you could possibly want to know but were afraid to ask. And uh, yeah, I think for anyone thinking about it, either as, as an attendee, as a speaker, you know, thinking about um, any of the other KubeCon, CloudNativeCon events coming up through later in the year, or even, you know, interested in weather predictions. <laughs> all of those all of those questions will be answered and more. And some hot tips on how to write a proper, good, excellent, perfect proposal paper so they get accepted for yep. next year's KubeCon, CloudNativeCon. I had a lot of trouble with the big name during the episode, so that's why I'm kind of playing around with it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, peeking behind the curtain, mm. recording this afterwards. Um, and we're also at the end of the episode, uh, we will announce the email address uh, that will allow you to enter into the competition to win a free pass to KubeCon Cloud Native Con Amsterdam this year. Um, to be clear, that only uh, covers you for the entrance to the conference itself uh, and you know, food and all that sort of thing that's there. It does not include accommodation or travel. You'll have, still have to arrange that yourself. But uh, this is this is quite a good prize. Uh, these yeah. uh, these conferences are you know very good value, but they're still they're not cheap. It's so an investment. Hopefully this yeah hopefully this will will help out one lucky listener, and mm. uh, it also bears worth reminding that our patrons mm-hmm. get first dibs as well. So uh, if you want to uh, if you want to get in on this action and you want the chance for um, to be one of the first people to, to get in the queue, then uh, you better join the Patreon right now. Yes, because this episode goes live on a Tuesday and we're going to give the Patreons up until Friday. Then we'll select a lucky winner if one is available. And if for some reason none of the patrons want to take it, already have tickets, then it'll roll over to every listener and then all other emails will get put into the raffle drum. Is that a word? Well, it is now. Uh, sure, let's go. A digital <laughs> raffle drum. <laughs> but we'll announce the email address sometime during the rest of this episode, so you'll have to listen to the whole thing to find out. Indeed. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's, uh, let's, go let's to hear Vicky from and Vicky and Constance about uh, all the joys of KubeCon, Cloud NativeCon. So we're joined today by Vicky Chung and Constance Carmelinus. Probably horribly butchered that, but I'm sure you can definitely correct me. Um, welcome to the Roaring Elephant podcast, both. Thank you for having us. So let's get started with introductions and corrections of pronunciation. <laughs> um, Vicky, um, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, yeah, um, actually, you said my name correctly. Hey. <laughs> I'm Vicky and... Uh, I'm a software engineer at Lyft. I've been yeah. um, managing 
the compute team for the last two years, and my team is responsible for moving all of Lyft to Kubernetes. Fantastic. And Constance, correct me. Tell me, tell me what I should have said. Constance Caramanolis. Ah, there that we go. That was easy. Of course it was. So, yeah. <laughs> it's overwhelming. When you see it, it's overwhelming, but it's actually very phonetic. Um, uh, as go. a kid, people just called me Caramel. Um, <laughs> yeah, hi, everyone. <laughs> hi, everyone. My name is Constance. Uh, I'm a software engineer at Splunk, and I'm working on open telemetry and uh, getting tracing out there because people forget that tracing is a thing. And yep. I also do a developer relationship. And yeah, I used to work with Fantastic. Mickey back at Lyft. Back in the day. Ah, there's the, the initial. Yeah. So both, you both know each other from, from back in the day. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. So um, what I'll do as, as we have a, a number of different kind of topics to, to go over, I'll kind of round robin between uh, each of you on these, uh, on a, you know, a bunch of different topics. And uh, we'll get through this. So, first off, um, hey, Vicky, you know, how did you how did you get involved in in KubeCon and Cloud Native Con? What, how did that? Uh, why did that resonate with you? Um, so before Lyft, I worked at OpenAI for two years, um, and I was actually the first engineer there. So I built all the infrastructure, um, and you know, so this is like four years ago, Kubernetes was like basically a baby mm-hmm. um, I think it was like 1.0 or something uh, and we decided to uh, take a chance on building our infrastructure based on Kubernetes anyway which I think was really um, brave back in the day <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but we made it work and uh, I think you know it was novel in several ways one was like the scale at which we were running it was like pretty large and at least like relative to other people at the time. And mm-hmm. also we were running strictly um, AI workloads. So all the deep learning, TensorFlow workloads, um, you know, that a lot of people are doing today, uh, maybe with Kubeflow, back then we were sort of like rolling our own. Um, and I think we got a lot out of Kubernetes in the community and we had a lot of success with that. And so I first got involved with KubeCon, I think, uh, I think it was maybe like three years ago. Um, I gave a keynote at the KubeCon Berlin. Back then, it was like a lot smaller. Um, and then it's just been a wonderful experience. And, you know, I hadn't, I would say that, like, especially in like infrastructure space, I, I like hadn't really have a lot of like good experiences at conferences for like various mm. reasons, but KubeCon was like, incredibly welcoming um and so i just like kept going back and kept going back to give talks and eventually uh connected with the cncf folks to do sort of get a little bit more involved so nice nice and uh constant same same for you how did how did you first get involved or how did you first hear about kubecon and get involved in it um the first kubecon i ever went to was Austin in 2017, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I went because um, I was one of the first contributors and maintainers of Envoy back at Lyft. And so especially as Envoy was getting really popular. And then after like, we kind of heard that like, oh, there's KubeCon that people are gonna be talking about Envoy. They're like, oh, that sounds cool. Like just to see what the 
how people would be responsive to it. And so that was my first experience. And I definitely would agree that the community of KubeCon is great, where I would actually, especially a few years ago, I was very much more timid and was very much searching for like other women in engineering. And I would just go up to women and be like, hey, what are you here to learn? And there are actually some of these women that I'm still friends with to this day. So that was my first introduction to KubeCon. And yeah, and so it definitely is a really warm community to learn things, learn from other people and just get to make friends. And I really love that aspect of it. And so that's how I got started into it. And then started giving talks, became a CFP reviewer, and then uh, then got nominated to do KubeCon co-chair, which is really exciting. Nice. Yeah. So... Um Carrying on that that theme, then how would you um, how would you describe KubeCon Cloud Native Con to people that that haven't attended before? You know, obviously Kubernetes is a big focus, but there's there's more to it than that. Yeah, so I think that one thing there are so many talks, and so maybe at least like narrow down the field in terms of like find keywords that are interesting to you, right? Because there are it's not like KubeCon, right? There's so many projects out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, like, attend a talk. But I think the most valuable thing is going up to the speakers afterwards and just be like, hey, I have a question. And I have always seen that whenever you ask someone a question at KubeCon, like, it's pretty much like someone brings out, like, you know, their the fake white, like, the imaginary whiteboard behind them, like, oh, yeah, let's deep dive into these questions here. So um, I really think that, you know, sometimes, like, it's a lot to just be sitting and receiving a lot of content. But if you can, you know, find a few talks that are really resonate with you just on title alone or a little bit of description and take the time to at least ask a few questions to the presenter, the people in the room. I think that's where you're going to start seeing how wonderful the community is. Nice. Uh, Vicky, anything else you'd add? How, how else would you describe KubeCon, Cloud Native Con to people? Yeah, I would say that it's sort of um, evolved over the years. I mean, absolutely follow what Constance just said. That is usually how I approach a new conference. Uh, but I also think that, you know, a few years ago, KubeCon, like, was mostly maybe, like, early adopters or, like, um, startup people. And I think um, in the last couple of years, it's really become a little bit more diverse in the audience. There's a lot of, you know, still uh, adventurous, like, early adopters, but there's also a lot of, like, enterprise people, just, like, you know, you're traditional like Fortune 500 um, companies and engineers. And there's also a lot of um, contributors you can meet there. So I would say it's, you know, a good experience to just like jump in and get to know what's happening in like different corners of the industry. Like not everyone is necessarily in tech there, um, but there's just like, you know, I think there's this like general common experience that everyone is sharing in terms of like they're renewing their infrastructure or like either moving to the cloud or they're just getting started and everyone's sort of like in it to learn together. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so I mean, continuing Vicky, um, why, why, is it, why does it make sense for this to be a combined conference? Um, you know, why, why KubeCon and Cloud Native Con versus you know having two separate um, conferences? Yeah, I think because a lot of the concepts are very intertwined, and also most 
I think a lot of companies or a lot of teams sort of experience it together. Um, Kubernetes is a great way for like a great path to being cloud native for a lot of enterprises. And so you often don't do one without the other. Um, And I think sort of vice versa that like if you're um, maybe you're already on the cloud, but you want to embrace sort of more of the open source things going on in uh, in Kubernetes, um, Mm -hmm. then you like sort of naturally start adopting the other cloud native patterns as well. So I think they're just very, like, very, very close together um, and the same audience. Nice. Um, Constance, anything you'd, you'd add to that? No, that pretty much summarizes. They're very intertwined. And so hmm. it's usually once you do one thing, then you realize there's another, you know, there's another layer of the onion to peel. And then after there's another project to help you out with that journey as well. Uh, have they yeah. always been uh, together or had this one start and then the other one join? I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah, I think it started oh, as KubeCon. Um, I, I think it started as like a just a small conference in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cloud Natives is sort of like maybe a term that's coined afterwards and became sort of more of a thing as yeah, people, yeah, yeah. as Kubernetes sort of enables that sort mm-hmm. of uh, architecture. Nice. So, I mean, um, Constance, how how do you keep both of these things um, relevant? How do you make sure that the the content doesn't lean, um, you know, one way more than the other? Um, it, you know, is is one of them more dominant than the other, or do you try and keep a a fairly equal blend between the two? So that's a question I actually asked myself when. Um, I decided to accept the role. And I, when I spoke with several other previous co-chairs, I was like, my big question is like, you know, it's like, how do you balance the content? How do you even stay on top of it? Right. Mm. Cause it's like, it, like I, like I was involved in Envoy and I'm currently involved in open telemetry. I was never like, I use Kubernetes, but I'm not quite as involved in projects just based on what my day to day is. So I, I actually, like reach out to like when we're doing like this, you know, choosing the schedule and all that stuff there, like I would reach out to Vicky in terms of like leading more towards her to, for her expertise in the area for Kubernetes. Um, so I guess like in terms of part of the responsibility is leading to the co-chair. Um, I definitely try to at least have a somewhat good understanding of the previous conferences, like at least like the one immediately before so San Diego, what topics were there. Um, and that way, at least seeing maybe like some things might evolve from that. Uh, also, it's just like, I think in terms of a lot of people who are involved in the process, like there's uh, other people who review, like they're also using their feedback. They have a lot of, you know, they have a lot more experience in terms of the field. And so um, yep. using their feedback there. Yeah. yeah. I something something you mentioned actually I think is really interesting, which is, you know, your your role as as co-chair. So could you could you just explain to the audience like what that role actually means, what that plays in in KubeCon and Cloud NativeCon? Yeah. Uh Vicky, please chime in since I know I'm still learning it. Um so we are the creators of the content, I guess I would I think that's a good way to describing it. And in terms of 
Um, we select the accepted talks. We uh, help create, you know, like it either come up with themes um, for like each save or something like that. Uh, also, like uh, coming up in terms of you know what we would like to see the keynotes. If we also have the option to present our own keynotes, which is really great, so we can add our own spin mm. to it to the conference. Um, and that's as far as I've gotten in the process. I know there's some more coming up yet, and so I don't know all of it. So Vicky, please chime in. <laughs> yeah, Vicky, what else yeah. would you add into that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's a lot of the, I guess a lot of the post-conference stuff is more like gathering feedback and seeing what worked well and what didn't. And we sort of have a little bit of um, freedom to experiment with how we want to um, set the themes for the conference or set the tracks. And so, you know, one feedback we got a lot last year after San Diego was like, it was becoming quite overwhelming. Um, the conference is really big. There's a lot going on and it's really hard for beginners to sort of like jump in and be like, okay, there's a bajillion cloud native, um, foundation projects. Like where do I even get started? Um, so like that sort of feedback. Uh, so one thing that Constance and I did this time to address that is to, you know, create a separate, um, so I guess a separate track uh, for like more um, beginner focused and sort of like ramping people up to the conference, uh, sort of like sessions. And so, yeah, I think stuff like that is like helping CNCF iterate on the conference itself based on um, our connections with the community. So I should understand that as more as no, a telling the people how it all interconnects with each other. It's not like these are the level 100 sessions or something like that. It's not a technical differentiator for beginners. It's more of a how to enter this community. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly a lot of that, like, you know, how to navigate through the community. Or there's even sort of like how to get started as a contributor. Um, and there's obviously some of the flavor of like how to navigate through the projects, like what do they all mean? Mm -hmm. What does CNCF even do? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of questions like that that we hear from people that we're glad to be able to hopefully address some of them this time. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, when I started in the open source uh, world, eons ago uh, the whole apache thing really was confusing as, as as all heck and this probably has the same effect on people that are starting the journey today yeah, good initiative i like it uh so so vicky like how how many uh, of these events uh, do you run a year and um where where are they this year um so there are three KubeCons every year mm -hmm. um so the one coming up is in amsterdam and that's my last one as co-chair and then Constance is going to go on to Shanghai and Boston, I think. Yeah, is that right? Nice. Yep. And what what do you think are the main differences between the 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 sort of the three uh, geos? Um. Yeah, they're all like pretty. They have their own sort of like uh, characteristics, I guess. Um, you know the. The one in North America is the biggest and, you know, it's got all the, like, uh, color people from all the tech companies that are, like, well-known. And it's just, like, um, I would say it's sort of 
the OG, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we go to Europe, I, I think it's also like a lot of people who are maybe working on like slightly different um, you know, tech problems. They're not necessarily the like, um, you know, Silicon Valley like startup. They're more, I, I tend to think that they're um, sort of more grounded maybe. There's like, mm-hmm. not just like, it's not just like a buzz in Silicon Valley. This is like, you know, these are all very, um, these are all very like either established or very like real companies. So yeah, I think the Europe one is sort of, um, it's interesting on its own. And then the China one is probably the most eye opening for me just because like Mm -hmm. I'm personally not familiar with like the tech scene there. So there are a lot of companies that I like didn't know about that Mm -hmm. were doing like super cool things. Um, I think another thing that differentiates their tech problems with maybe the other two is that um, the Chinese companies really started fairly recently, like relatively speaking. And so they like, you know, a lot of the content and the North America and Europe one are focused on like, okay, we're moving from legacy to this like cloud native thing. Like, how do we do it? Um, In China, there is no legacy. Uh, they, They just like, skip that whole phase together and they're like starting at cloud native <laughs> and so it's like very interesting they're like moving super fast they're just jumping straight into cloud native and in some cases they're doing things that are like way ahead of you know what the other conferences are doing just because they don't have that baggage from yeah. like doing migrations and stuff like that so yeah I, I think they're all like slightly different but like um definitely has something for everyone yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I've spent uh, a, a bit of time in in APAC with uh, a variety of different organisations, and yeah, it's a, certainly a very different approach to things. The even just simple simple issues like uh, the, the sheer scale of of some of the problems that they're looking at. You know, if you're looking at Indian market or the Chinese market, you know, they they need solutions that scale way beyond the the kind of solutions you'd be looking at in a, a North American market or even a, certainly even a European market. Yeah, I remember last year at the Shanghai one, I think Alibaba gave a keynote and I was just like blown away by their scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was like clusters with 10,000 nodes and it was like way ahead of all the other ones I'd heard. So that was pretty amazing. <laughs> Yes, yeah, really interesting because I felt myself that you're right. I mean, a lot of Kubernetes development here in Europe is being held back by existing environments and the migration load and everything. So I never thought about how, yeah, how would this look like in a totally greenfield environment? I imagine they're doing crazy stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, Constance, um, you know, what, what as, as you're sort of taking the torch going forwards, you know, what are some of the, the challenges of, of, you know, getting this all 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 spun up in you know what is a, a newer region um, is you know do you approach the, the marketing of it differently or you know what what else is uh, is kind of different in this space oh so I will not, don't know necessarily about the marketing part because I think it's mostly mm. handled by CNCF proper although they do ask us to tweet and sometimes I do tweet and podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and podcasts. <sorry. laughs> um, 
I, I actually don't really know. Like in terms of carrying the torch, I think I know after EU, I'm going to be able to, I think like do my own like retrospective. And then after C, like the things like, like I'm definitely able to see like how Vicky's, or I guess there's two different ways to interpret your question. One in terms of how to approach uh, the Shanghai and, but also then carrying the torch of like Vicky in terms of like all her different perspectives. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I would say for answering the Vicky part and carrying her, or like taking torch, I think that it's too early for me to do the full, you know, retrospective on it and just see like all these things that she does well. Like, but it's definitely even just go when we a uh, one part though, is very impressive is just how much she was able to keep in her head. when we're going over the different, uh, conference proposals and then after being able to you know like oh right that thing sounds familiar to that one okay maybe you know like let's maybe see if there's something <laughs> else that complements things better like that was really impressive was like look I was just like how do you keep that in your head like I don't get it um oh, sometimes it just feels like I'm crazy I was like did I just read something like this or am I hallucinating <laughs> 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 we might have been. I don't know. Uh, that was a busy week. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I still don't, like, I haven't been to KubeCon Shanghai or China, I should say. So I don't really know yet. I think um, what I think is actually kind of funny we touched upon, kind of indirectly touched upon is, like, you know, when Vicky was mentioning, like, the, the community bringing feedback about one one I think is actually going to social media and finding out what the internet say says about mm -hmm. things. And so I probably have to do a bit more of that homework on my own just to see how tech is a little bit different. It was see it in a more concrete way how tech is different in in that part in Asia and modify a little bit of the content that we'll be looking for there. Um, yeah, these are really these are like homework questions for me. I should. <laughs> I think we're gonna have to have a follow up at some point, and I'll be like, okay, well, this is my answer then, and this is what I know now. Hey, look forward to it for sure. I mean, actually, you brought up a really good point, um, which I'd like to go into a little bit more detail, which is you, you mentioned the the whole process of reviewing um, all the uh, the proposals, the talk proposals, and you know that whole kind of CFP process. Um, I mean, what what does a what does a perfect, if there is such a thing, a perfect um, talk proposal look like? Um, and you know what are the what are the red flags that that just you know make you think oh god there's no way that that, that one's getting in. Um, so Constance what what's what are your views there? So my so one thing I find and this is my personal opinion is actually like a lot of mm. good conference talks I actually think would be great blog post because like a lot of times you know people are explaining like the steps of how they do something and this is personally just how I accept information um and i know that my brain's very funny in that aspect but it's usually like if someone's telling me like you know they took 10 steps to do that i'd actually almost sometimes prefer to read it as a blog post because i know when i'm going to want this information is probably going to be like three o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the morning when i'm trying to solve a problem and i need to be like what is that fourth step and maybe it should be a conference talk or really maybe everyone people who do conference talk should then have a blog post for it right at that doesn't really answer your question um but i've noticed that i think the biggest takeaway is that I need to know what I'm going to learn. If it's yeah. if it's not a panel, um, I definitely need to know. I like I have very much have a short attention span, and so I need to know know what I'm going to learn that's different from, you know, what's already out there. And you know, doing like the simple search. Like if I'm to search for you know roughly the same like the keywords and some different permutation, what I find you know what I find content out there for. Right? Like don't 
definitely try to have new takes on the information um, that you're presenting. I also think that um, sometimes, especially like going over the reviews, like sometimes people like like ridiculous like ridiculous backgrounds, like in terms of either like they're trying to scale something up for like you know self-driving cars or banks or you know like they have really spiky traffic and sometimes also if they don't set up the problem well it's like okay like i know personally might know that company and their challenges but their cfp just tell me why they are so uniquely like they're the unique people to give that point of view and so yeah set yeah. up the problem and then tell me what i'm going to learn because right every technical every company has a unique challenge and if i don't know about your company then unfortunately I won't be able to say, oh, right, your perspective is really unique. Yeah. Um, I also think one of the big challenges about KubeCon right now is that, you know, KubeCon's been going on for so long that there's going to be, you know, like, I'm a company X and this migration started Kubernetes. And so, like, that is still a very valuable talk, but it's also, like, make sure that you're iterate on it, like, okay, this is different than everything else before. But then it's also, like, us to the content reviewers to make sure that we also bring that type of content to the new, like the next set of conferences, because there will be new people attending and they yeah. will want to have those questions too. So, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing with, with something that's a continually moving target and continually wider and wider adoption. You're always going to have you know, new people flooding in that, that actually want to understand the basics. So it's, it's no good. You continually moving the, the content to more and more advanced topics if you've got new people coming along that, you know, are going to need to understand the fundamentals before they can dive in at the deep end. Yeah. Um, Vicky, how about you? How do you, you know, what, what are some of the, the good things that you look for in, in proposals and what are some of the red flags that, that uh, make you uh, <laughs> shriek and run away? Yeah, I, I think uh, it was, uh, Constance said it very well. Like, there's definitely you know, provide the context for why you're doing, why you're solving the problem that you're solving in the talk. Because what we don't want to do is like have a bunch of talks that solve crazy tech problems for technology's sake that like no one's ever going to do in production. Um, so yeah, I think like set up the why for your proposal and then definitely be very clear about, uh, you know, if you're going to use some open source projects or like, your own solution, you know, definitely mention those and link to those if you can. Because a lot of times the question is then like, is this going to be a vendor pitch or, you know, is this going to use some propriety software? Um, yeah. So we want to just like avoid that uh, and then be very clear about like what the audience will walk away with. And if you can like, you know, be, try to specify your target audience as well. So it helps frame the problem for all the people who are reviewing the proposal. I think the most common red flag I've seen is probably like a clickbait proposal. <laughs> where people are like, oh, three things we have to do to you know make our migration work. And then they don't say what the three things are. And then, <laughs> and then I have to be like, well, do I trust that those three things are gonna be interesting? And it's like, I'm intrigued now, but I don't know how to score this. Uh, so just don't be clickbaity, I guess. <laughs> don't be vague. Yeah. Or, or if, or if you're going to be clickbaity, then follow through in the rest of the the CFP to make sure that you've you've got uh, you've got the enough detail in there to to drive the interest through to a conclusion. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just like it's so competitive, as, like these days that 
you know, if we're going to have to do guesswork on um, the quality of the content, uh, yeah. that's probably not going to fare well. So. Yeah. Yeah, so if I can, uh, you just mentioned uh, the open source and closed source things. Um, for me, KubeCon, Cloud NativeCon really rings open source native kind of environment. How important is then a proposal? Is uh, Do you look for really fully open source uh, material or is there a mix allowed, if I can say that? Uh, how, how should I see that? I don't think everything has to be absolutely open source, but if it's not, you should tell people how to build it like you know sometimes it is a solution that you built for your company and it's not necessarily open source but at least you should, you should okay. describe it in a way that other people can sort of reproduce it um, and certainly we want to avoid a situation where somebody's like talking about oh the best solution for this problem is something you have to like pay me for um, that's <laughs> the like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. that's the worst case that we want to avoid yeah. That's like the true sense of open source, right? The idea, the, 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 the way you get there is open source. How you do it or the real typing, that may be something you don't want to share, but at least share how you faced the problem, how you tackled it, which steps you took. Yeah. So make big people learn from what you did. Yeah. Um, I think actually you bring up, so I was actually going to say, you actually bring up the thing that I love the most about KubeCon, right? Is like I was hinting at about in terms of asking people questions. But I remember like my first, like when I was really involved in Envoy and just meeting people who were talking about like, oh, I have this really interesting networking problem and am I doing things this way? And I'm like, wait, what, what are you trying to do? And so like, you're just like, really, it's like these conferences are so much about like learning how people are doing things, you know, it's a different problem and how they're doing it. And then it kind of makes you question how you're doing your own things and you get to learn so much from it. and just like makes you ask so many more questions, which makes you a better developer. But then you're also like learning all these cool tricks like, Oh, if I, you know, change this way, you know, something this way here, and apply this different, like, you know, something tool on top of it, I could do things differently. And like, that is like probably the best thing about all this is you just get to learn all, like you get to learn more about the things you don't know. Yeah, it, it, And then you learn how much little you do know, but <laughs> it's still great. <laughs> and you learn from people who actually did something interesting with it. Because when I go to these conferences, yeah. there's always a track where, where the big companies are talking about whatever cool thing they're trying to sell the world at that moment and those sessions are usually what i don't go to because i don't learn anything more than i would get from their web page i guess uh, at kubecon and cloud native con it's a long name is there any way of shortening this <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there also a mix of uh, commercial presentations on one end versus the uh, the hacker who has built something cool or what's the gravitas at uh, kubecon cloud native con um, I think we, yeah, we definitely bias towards the open source end of things and community solutions, I guess. Um, we, as much as we can, try to avoid sort of like commercial talks or like vendor pitches. There's, you know, the, the vendors are welcome to uh, give their own like demos or talks at the um, vendor booth area. Mm -hmm. And, mm. and a lot of them do, and they do get a lot of attention that way. Um, but, you know, as far as the actual breakout sessions go, uh, we really want to put the spotlight on the community. Um, and this goes the same for, you know, sponsored keynotes as well. We do work with our sponsors to make sure that they're not just going on the keynote stage to advertise their service or platform or whatnot. Um, they, uh, we want to um, 
highlight that these sponsors are doing um, open source work and we want to highlight their contributions to the community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I would say that's the bias. I would kind of assume that if companies aren't doing anything with open source, they wouldn't really be interested in sponsoring QCon, Cloud Native Con. Anyway, uh, I, I mean, would hope. <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, I think you would be surprised. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Hmm. <laughs> it is a hot word right now, right? Like KubeCon yeah. is like, you know, like CNCF projects is definitely like yeah. what I'm going to compare to what blockchain or something. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> like, you, you did it. No, you cursed the podcast episode. <laughs> oh, you've, you've just, oh, you've no. just triggered Yon. <laughs> That's it. You've just, you've just begun at least a 10 I'm minute gone. rant from Yon. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> uh, it, it, it should have been in the notes kind of beforehand. <laughs> No, it you is made the point because <laughs> KubeCon has become like one of the, uh, in my mind at least, one of the premier um, just open general open source conferences. Mm-hmm. It's got that it's got that halo effect of you know a, a combination of a tech or a, a suite of technologies and projects that are, are really. Uh, being adopted by enterprises and that sort of thing. And obviously that draws a lot of, of, of interest and attention. You've got definitely a, a focus and a, a real growth from the developer side of the house as well. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it definitely seems to be um, a conference that really is um, developing in, a, in an amazing way. It's, it's come you know, a long way, I think, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, even just look at the conference size; it's um, it's pretty incredible. What what are the what are the predictions for for this year? Oh, I don't know. Actually. Massive. <laughs> <laughs> How many zeros in that? <laughs> uh, I I don't remember, but it's yeah, because like they're what, just around twelve thousand in uh, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like so. Yeah. So yeah. definitely. And it was like, you know, like Boston's 8, expected to be bigger. Yeah, eight thousand yeah. Barcelona, I think. So Yeah, and eight thousand yeah, I wanna say around eight thousand in Seattle as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I just did a quick uh, search on the web and uh, got here that it grew from five hundred attendees in twenty fifteen, that was the first one then, to eight thousand <laughs> and then onwards. Oh my goodness. The good old days. So I'm not ready to speak in that front of that crowd. <laughs> That's a pretty meteoric rise, really. Yeah, it's really um, fast. So what, what what advice would you give to um, new attendees to the conference? So I know you've mentioned this sort of this intro uh, intro track, but what what else what else would you uh, would you suggest that people kind of think about if this is their first one? Um, Constance. Um, pick a few topics like, you know, and don't, don't overload your schedule because you can be in talks all day, but it is, it's overwhelming. Um, mm. so maybe choose like two or three talks a day. Give yourself, like, make sure you get food, right? Do the normal hydration, eat well, <laughs> sleep well. Um, but then also give yourself some space just to internalize everything and make notes or like talk to people. Um, Cause just sitting in talks all day, you'll learn a lot, but definitely going back to the community aspect, like ask people questions. Um, and also like 
if if eventually like you're just overwhelmed or you can't process any more information, take a break. That is totally fine because mm. I myself am an introvert and I definitely days like I'll take a half day or I'm like, I'm just going to have coffee and read a book and just need to, I just need to like have a little bit of alone time so I can be energetic and engage with the community. Um, yeah. Nice. Don't overload your schedule. Nice. Vicky, any, any other advice you'd give? Yeah. A lot of, um, I think, the way I see a lot of newcomers approach conferences is they like have huge FOMO on like all these talks that are happening. <laughs> so they like literally pack their schedule it, like from start to finish back to back. Um, I would say you don't have to do that because all the talks are recorded. So go to the ones that you're most interested in and that you want to talk to the speaker for. Um, but yeah. The I think the most valuable part of the conference is the human connection. You know, the content you can catch up on later, but the, the human connection you can't reproduce somewhere else. So focus on the speakers you want to talk to and like, you know, in the hallway track, the sort of the new networks you want to build. Um, those are the parts that are really, you know, the heart of the conference for me. Um, and definitely, you know, yeah, take breaks. I, I generally just like block out, you know, a couple hours every day to um, have recharge time. So definitely everyone should do that. But then well, I'll miss I, everything. Maybe like, do that. <laughs> except maybe like people who are like extroverts and they have like a limited social battery, then, you know, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you, you briefly touched on something that I, I really do enjoy at these kind of conferences, which is the, the hallway track, as it's known, which is, which is literally just hanging around, uh, you know, chatting to speakers after they've, after they've chatted in the hallways, after their talk, listening to other people's questions, you know, continuing that discussion onwards, you know, being social at lunch and just, you know, seeing who you bump into and what they're here for and what they're interested in. And, you know, the, the, whether it's the coffee line, the lunch line, you know, there's the, the hallway track I think is, if you've got the right attendees is, is one of the most valuable tracks um, at the conference, if, if all is going well. Yeah, and I think um, it can feel intimidating in like such a large conference too. So if you have a yeah. friend who's been there before, maybe like tag along so you can uh, get some help navigating the crowd. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's only it's you know at least if the trend continues, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. So yeah, find find someone who's comfortable in that uh, in that environment and. Uh, yeah, learn, learn to either swim in their wake or uh, or kind of learn learn their their tricks of the trade. We also have the stickers too. Yeah, go ahead. Actually, oh, those are really good. So yeah, right. We have the stickers, like you know, like the green, the like those green, you know, like it's like pretty much. Like, I think one of them was like you know, like hey, talk to me whenever, or like you know, only talk to me if you know me, or like hey, I prefer not to talk. Like those are really mm. great things too. That if maybe you don't know anyone or you know your friends or the people you know are at a different talk like and if you're feeling brave in that moment and i encourage people to be brave and you know be a little <laughs> vulnerable ask someone just a question and like reach out to those people say like hey talk to me or even go to the vendor booths because a lot of people still have a lot of you know involvement in open source so that could be a good practice of just talking to a random stranger about technical yeah issues and yeah yeah definitely so actually on on the tracks um Vicky, how many parallel tracks are there? And 
um, beyond the sort of um, you know pick a couple of topics are there any other um, things you'd recommend that people use to to how they should choose those sessions uh, how okay yeah first question how many parallel tracks there are? Yeah. constancy no I think it's like maybe 10 why I'm on Why'd the you site right now <laughs> Uh, I'm going to count this right now while you're talking because I'm. We can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Application development, case study, CICD, community, customizing, studying Kubernetes, machine learning, uh, networking, observability. I'm stop counting. It was like 15 or so. Yeah, I think they don't all happen all together always, right? Like they're. Mm. Yeah smaller tracks that sort of like switch on and off. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it's like, it's quite a, it's quite a lot. Um, it's hard to keep track of. Um, I, well, I know there are like a couple of strategies. It sort of depends, you know, if you're a person who just works in the observability space and like that's your jam, you can totally just yeah. follow that track for, you know, the entirety. And some people do do that, you know, just stay in that one room and just uh, go from like back to back. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a fine strategy. I sort of personally hop around a little bit more. Um, and I like to get exposure to like topics I'm, I'm familiar with. So, yeah, I I think the ones that I pick, you know, usually are like um, I might pick a couple from like application development because that's like generally pretty broadly uh, applicable to like everyone. And then yeah. I pick a couple from like ML because you know I'm interested in that space, um, and then maybe like in operations because that's relevant for my team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there is no right or wrong. Like it sort of is. It, are you there mostly to like find stuff relevant for your job, or is it to like? Um, I just sort of generally optimize for like. Um, trying to get to know as many unknown unknowns for myself as possible. So at the conference, I like try to learn as many things I can then Google later. Um, Whereas like, you know, if there are things I already know, I don't know enough about, I can sort of like learn about it later or like watch the talks or um, read blog posts. Like I know how to find those, but I don't know how to find the things I like don't yet know about. So that's what yeah. the conference is good for. Nice. Um, Constance, any, any kind of tips that you use to, to select your sessions or that you've seen other people use? Yeah. Um, but sometimes like follow companies or, you know, like mm. either like if I'm, if there's like any company that might be related to what I'm doing, like either like maybe I've seen them contribute to open source or, you know, they're in a similar problem space, like see if they're giving talks, like if, you know, if no one from my company or no one I know is giving. Also, maybe, like, kind of doing the, like, you know, the people who've, who are known for giving a lot of really good talks, see if they're presenting. Because sometimes, even if the content might not be relevant to you, like, you sh- really good presenters will make it engaging for everyone who is in mm. there. Yeah. And um, I think case studies and community are really interesting. Like, case studies, right, like, you get to hear about someone doing something totally absurd that you will never, you might never have to use, but you get to see a different <laughs> perspective of it. And the community aspect is, you know, like everything else, all the the stuff that makes all the different aspects that makes this conference great is just in 
a more focused track in terms of talking about it and building that. Great. So with, um, with a, a conference that's been running for a, a few iterations now, are there any changes sort of specifically this year that maybe um, long, long-standing attendees will, will notice as a, as a sort of uh, a change or a course correction in any way? Um, and we'll start off with, with Constance. Ooh, I need to think about that. Vicky, the baton's passed to you for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think the, the beginner track is one, probably the yeah. most um, drastic change that we've made. Um, I think in terms of talk selection, we also made some changes. This, so this is like invisible to people at the conference, but hopefully gives a more diverse set of content in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, is like historically, the co-chairs have been responsible for selecting all the talks. Um, yeah. And this has, over the years, become quite overwhelming. So <laughs> sort of just reading all the proposals, you know, yeah. over like a couple of weeks. Um, so for Amsterdam, the change we made is we actually have, uh, we inserted another step into the process. So usually the first step is the, program committee will score all the talks and then um, it goes straight to a co-chair. So this year we changed it so that there's an additional filter. So there are um, chairs for each track um, and they're responsible. So they're a lot more familiar with the track's domain than Constance and I necessarily are. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can give a better perspective on what makes sense to go into that track and they make recommendations to Constance and I for you know, their top picks, and then we sort of work off of that shortlist. So I think the experience has been um, really great so far, and hopefully the talks are a lot better because we do have additional perspectives. Nice, nice. Um, also, out of curiosity, like how roughly how many proposals like, do you get on average? How how many does does the overall team kind of wade through to to get to that uh, uh, that final set? Twelve uh, hundred. Don't remember for this. Yeah, it's usually somewhere between like it's. I think it's around twelve or fifteen hundred, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember for Amsterdam. A lot. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I'm going to give a shout out to the track chairs since this is my first time coming up with it. Just having, like, they're, like, giving a filtered list and helping us just, like, you know, they had aggregated the scores and all of that made it so much easier. I know still incredibly difficult to choose talks because there's a lot of really great talks out there. So major shout out to adding the track chairs, adding the track chairs and track chairs out there who spent a lot of time filtering the list and giving us condensed feedback. I don't know how yeah. the co-chairs did it beforehand. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can I can only imagine. And again, you know, as the, as the conference continues to grow, you know, that number of of uh, proposals to review is only going to grow. So yeah, the 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 the, uh, the chance to kind of scale that out to the the, the track chair sounds like a, a an absolutely uh, necessary step at this point. So. If we've got, um, we, we've talked about, um, you know, something for the something for the the new folks that uh, that we've got a, a new um, 
a track for them to introduce them and in- induct them into the uh, the situation. But you know, just generally speaking, you know, what what should people um, attending the event expect? You know, what's what's the mixture, for example, I guess between you know deep technical uh, and you know business level sort of is i know that there's uh you know there's what the some more commercially focused um content this time round as well but what's what's the sort of balance between the different um you know the different categories and the different types of of sessions that people can expect for me it's also the question uh, technical this is code on the screen versus use case this is how you use this code in a mm. commercial but business environment let's say that's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think so. One thing actually you brought up is like you know like the business level and like and I kind of view it like the ROI. I think actually I would love to see more of those talks because hmm. I think one thing that I've noticed is that you know a lot of people are approaching talking at KuCon and mostly just talking about any form of technology just based on tech alone, but we probably all fail to admit this as engineers that there's so much of it is actually soft skills and collaboration. And, you know, there's a selling aspect to it, right? Just the people we're selling to or just, you know, people on our team or in management. And so I would love to see a lot more of talks about the ROI, like talking about the impact, but also just giving people tools how to present it internally and to Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's, you could say like, hey, like this is 10 times faster, but people would be like, oh, well, you know, why do I care about that? And like, you know, helping them frame yeah. the argument. And um, so there are definitely some of those talks, but I would like to see a lot more of them. Um, we do try to keep a balance of, you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Um, to all those who are listening who submit CFPs, don't be afraid to mark things at advance. Some things are actually pretty advanced technically, just, you know, you might yep. want to be downplaying your own skills, but if you're doing something that's pretty badass, like market is advanced, it's it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do think like one of the hard things though is like for the advanced topic is, you know, it's hard to get into something in 30 minutes and, you know, like get into the nitty gritty and give people enough takeaways without like maybe being an hour long session or then it being like a board discussion. And that is something that I've struggled with, like in terms of when I'm trying to submit CFPs. And so I don't really know how to approach that. Um, but yeah, definitely there tends to be a balance between beginner and the advanced and trying to mostly strongly focus on just the technical implementation and a bit of the soft skills around it. But I'd love to see more ROI and the global impact within your organization, company, community, all there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think any time that you're, you're positioning a new technology within an organization, yeah, you can you can have the the numbers conversation about this is x times faster or y times you know less infrastructure needed to run it or whatever it might be but you need if you if you've got a if you've got a couple of case studies that you can refer to and you know even people that you know youtube links to conference talks where people are talking through a similar problem to what you've got that that always makes the conversation much easier and much uh, much smoother for, for people to have. So yeah, I, I, I would definitely thoroughly encourage more talks like that. I'd love to, I'd love to see more of those. And I think also too, like a lot of like, especially cause you know, this, te- all, a lot of this conference is talking about new technology and how to use it. And the thing that we all need to fight is the inertia, 
right? Inertia is strong wherever you are, right? Like, why move to Kubernetes if you're, you know, if your current deployment is working, like, you know, within a bounds reason. And then you need to talk just about how do you get people to approach it, even if like not without linking it, but, you know, be open to something new. Okay, well, yeah. what is that command in my old way? And yeah, the funding inertia part, just such an interesting topic. Yeah. And that's also why I liked uh, one of you suggested uh, to go to a couple of sessions which are part of your job and then to a couple of sessions that are totally outside of your job just to make sure you don't have the eye blinders on and you get exposed to new stuff out there. Because again, inertia for me is a bit of doing the same things, being the same rut by getting different perspectives, different ideas behind it. Even if it's not really practical for me, just being able to talk about more stuff usually helps me to be more dynamic, I guess. <laughs> Nice. So you know, as as we've gone through, um, I've gone through quite a lit, quite a bit about uh, KubeCon and Cloud NativeCon. Um, is do you have a, a fun fact about uh, uh, about KubeCon and Cloud NativeCon that you'd like to share with the audience that maybe they don't know? Oh, um, I've made really good friends through KubeCon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Uh, I don't know. What would be a fun fact? Um, oh, KubeCon North America, and this yep. is my prediction, is cursed when it comes to weather. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So uh, the first time it, in Austin 2017, it snowed mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas. Okay. <laughs> during KubeCon Sandy, or KubeCon Austin. Uh, yep. In Seattle in 2018. So Seattle is known for rain. But it was downpouring, like ridiculously downpouring. I was living in Seattle at the time, and it was making me miserable. And then in San Diego, I think it was hailing or downpouring. Like, yep. like the streets were a little bit flooded in terms of like we we're supposed to have the Bonera party, and everyone was just huddled inside as close to the heaters as possible. So I am hoping that the streak is over for Boston. Yeah. Yeah, Boston yeah. is the most warm city in the U.S., if I remember my Cheers <laughs> memories correctly. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I've heard EU always has great weather. I think it will be, I should be okay at that time of year, although I, I do remember San Diego, like it, it, the rain was so bad that some of the rooms had to be moved because actually the, the comfort... It hadn't rained since it was something like March. So it hadn't rained for seven or eight months before it started raining when KubeCon was there. And so the, the conference center had a few leaks that they were uh, not expecting. <laughs> I remember so. that. That was props to the team for scheduling that because they were just like sending emails like, hey, something moved here. They handle it really yep. well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it despite despite the weather challenges, it worked, and even the outdoor party was kind of kind of fun because a lot of the um, it, the, the decent amount of covered space was set up, and all the the different uh, bar areas were open, so it still still managed to uh, fun. to to raise a smile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, any other predictions for good the, fun fact for the Amsterdam one? Uh, what can we expect? Blistering heat. Uh. <laughs> Well, so everyone's told me that EU has always had great weather. Okay. So I am hoping for that. Uh, yeah. And hopefully maybe really good stroopwaffles. Uh, <laughs> should be possible. 
yeah, that, that's <laughs> definitely going to happen. That's going to happen for sure. Um, so I think, uh, you know, with that, really appreciate your, your time, um, Constance. It's been great chatting with you. Um, it, it's, it's a shame that uh, Vicky unfortunately had to drop, um, but uh, please do thank her later when, uh, uh, when you get a chance to catch up. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on, uh, on taking the role of, of co-chair forward for the uh, – is, is it – do you do a, a, like a year term? Is it how does that, How does that work? Uh, yeah, so it's a year term. So after Boston, Boston will be my last. Yeah. And so um, we have a new person replacing Vicky, Stephen Augustus, if I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, mm-hmm. He will be joining me as co-chair for uh, China okay. and then going forward. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Is, you know, before we wrap up, is there anything else that, uh, that you want to add that our audience should know? Uh, two things. Yeah. One, if you're not sure if you want to submit a CFP to any conference, just do it. It's intimidating, <laughs> but it's really fun to get out there on stage. And yeah. um, it's, a good, it's a good thing to push your boundaries and be courageous and take that opportunity. And thank you, everyone, for having us, uh, speaking in the plural, we, since, as if Vicky were here. This is wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> No, you're you're very welcome. I I would definitely echo the uh, just go ahead and submit a proposal anyway. Because should you get chosen, it, it's personally I find it one of the most interesting and exciting parts. Like sp- speaking at conferences, I find is incredibly rewarding and useful. And like the the conversations that you can. I mean, we've talked about a lot about this uh, as a from the perspective of someone that's attending, but from the perspective of someone that is. You know, speaking, it's also it's incredibly valuable. The the kind of the people that you will meet, the the perspectives that you'll be able to absorb, the conversations you'll have after your talks, and you know, just by the fact that you're there, people will kind of look you up. They'll you know, even if they can't attend your talk, those you know, the talks are recorded. You'll get people reaching out to you for you know m- much more time, um, you know, beyond the actual core of the conference. So it's. Uh, it's really, it's a really uh, rewarding thing, both to to participate in as an attendee, but also as a as a speaker. So yeah, I definitely echo that. Get get your CFPs in for uh, for the upcoming uh, events. Oh yeah, actually, we just extended uh, the KubeCon China CFP line to February twenty eighth. So every, submit tons of time. There we go. Your opportunity is right there. And just before the end, Vicky was able to join again so we can thank both Constance and Vicky in person for being on the podcast thank you very much fantastic thank you both for all of your time really appreciate it yeah thank, thank you, you for having us uh, so Vicky now that you're back actually we is there a is there a fun fact that you'd like to share <laughs> with the audience about KubeCon Cloud Native Con maybe something they a don't fun know fun fact yeah. Is there something you have in mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, some, something that, that people might not know about the event? Anything? We anything asked Constance all? and she killed it. So you're up against a big <laughs> one here. So no pressure. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> uh, something that people might not know about. Oh, I don't know. Wait, Constance, what did you say? <laughs> I talked about... The North America having cursing the weather. 
Oh. Right, Austin Snow, Seattle Downpour, <laughs> that uh, is San true. Diego Downpour. Right. Yeah, but we're yeah. breaking the streak with Boston, right? We're making a pact yes. here and now. <laughs> <laughs> Dear well, weather, I mean, listen to us. Yeah. And, uh, if it's Boston, then it could be like uncharacteristically warm. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you okay, chose, Boston. Let's, let's, okay. let's be realistic here. Boston being being warm is is, is not very likely. <laughs> I mean, but San Diego was so cold. <laughs> Yeah. Once. Yeah, it was like 10, 11 in San Diego. It was cold. It was um, really cold. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't I, I think I'm losing this one. I, I don't have anything. <laughs> well, we had we puppies Tom's- at KubeCon San Diego. That is true. S- puppies were I That's not a secret them. though. It was like all over <laughs> social no. media. People are like, "Oh, check out this conference well, I'm going to for work. Look at these puppies." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, our COO okay. um, was uh, was um, on site at the time. Unfortunately, he, uh, he he's a huge fan of of all things dog related, and he missed the puppies by <laughs> about fifteen minutes. Uh, he was crushed. Um, so we just oh, sent him pictures. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. yeah, but uh, no, that's been it's been great. So thank you. Um, really appreciate uh, you both taking the time. Um, really glad that you were able to to rejoin us for the for the very end, Vicky. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you both so much. I hope that uh, the the future KubeCon events go really smoothly and continue to grow. And uh, yeah, looking forward All the to the very there. best. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. Well, hopefully uh, you enjoyed that session with Vicky and Constance. Uh, thanks again uh, to both of them for spending the time with us and and kind of walking us through all of the all of the fun stuff to do with KubeCon Cloud Native Con. And uh, yeah. for those that are also still with us, well, before that, of course, uh, just make a, just make a note here that uh, both Constance and Vicky will be at CloudCon, KubeCon EU, and so will Dave and me. We will both be there as well. So if you want to have some laptop stickers from the Roaring Elephant, be sure to find us. We should be somehow visible in some shape, way, or form. I don't know. Yep. But yep. Uh, that's all we'll we be, have time for today, we'll isn't it? There's nothing else left. No, 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 no. Did I forget something? No. So, for those that are looking for a free ticket provided to us by the CNCF, so thanks Thank again to, uh, to to Katie, our contact there, um, send your emails to kcamsterdam2020 at roaringelephant.org. That's kcamsterdam2020 at roaringelephant.org. There's no spaces or dots in the KC Amsterdam 2020. Uh, you will only find that in this audio here. We're not going to be, you know, putting that email in tweets or anything like that. People have to listen to this to find it. So, uh, yeah, we just again, want to limit. We mentioned this at the start of the episode, <laughs> but it, it goes to our Patreons first. So, uh, if you're a Patreon, get on that quick. Um, if none of our patrons are available on the particular dates or already have tickets or 
you know, are, are just not interested in Kubernetes, in which case that's that's just crazy talk. But, uh, if, if there's that, a chance. There's uh, always if that a chance. were the case, exactly, there's always a, always a chance. But if that were the case, then we obviously roll the offer out to all of our listeners. So don't, uh, don't not send an email because you think yeah. that uh, there's no chance. You know, send your emails to kcamsterdam2020 at roaringelephant.org for a chance to get that sweet, sweet free ticket. And don't delay just the moment you hear this and you want to take it, you want to have a chance, send that email right now. No need to wait until after the Patreon-only time expires. Just get your emails in and you will get into the raffle bucket. And we'll maybe pick you. And you still have time to become a patron, because if you become a patron before Friday, you will get into the first draw of all the patrons. So, yep. Up your chances. Be a patron and support your favorite podcast, of course. That's why you do it. Not for a free ticket. Come or, on. you know, maybe it's only your second favorite or even third favorite, but it's definitely one of your favorites. <laughs> anyway, anything else from you, Jan? Nope. Looking forward to the event and uh, take it away. All right. In that case, that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Uh, every contribution helps and it gets you early accesses to great prizes like free tickets (laughs) we are on youtube please like subscribe hit the notification bell all the youtube stuff you can also go to roaringelephant.org for a link to our patreon page and to find out more information about the podcast you can follow us on twitter using the at hadoopcast tag which is now moving across to the roaring elephant tag and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is, I did not change the uh, Twitter tag in the outro text, Jon. (laughs) (laughs) And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. (laughs) 